You're listening to SAS Nordic, the sassiest podcast in the Nordics. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to Nordic SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Jonas Todal, the co-founder and CEO at Weld. Is it always the best approach to be 100% product-led to achieve amazing growth and be interesting for investors? I'm here to tell you that it's not. Hi everyone, it's uh, Sass Nordic here, Daniel and Thomas coming back from vacation a little bit. So Daniel, you've been away from me for five weeks. Five weeks, the separation anxiety was big, but it's good to come back and I see both of us are a little bit more tanned. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if we're more relaxed. <laughs> no. But, uh, you know, we, we had actually uh, some time to recharge the batteries, but, uh, you know, uh, we still launched a new job site during the vacation. So we kept busy a little bit. Absolutely. So, I mean, if you haven't already, check in sassysjobs.com where we sort of gather B2B SaaS um, opportunities, uh, work opportunities. And you can also add, uh, if you're looking for people, you can add your job ads there for free. So check that out. And also uh, check out sasnordic.com. We have put a lot of good content there and we will do so during the fall as well. So more about that to come. Um, otherwise, we are working a lot with the upcoming Sassiest Digital 2022. Uh, that will be a day of a lot of great sessions from professionals from all over the world, of course, from the Nordics. But we have also managed to get a lot of US expertise and um, hope that will be a, a very rewarding experience for you that uh, if you participate yeah definitely and uh, check out the website uh, the agenda is being worked on and updated and so on but it's going to be all the tracks that you guys are interested in you know the plg the product with sales uh, scaling and growing marketing and sales teams you know also the, the big people and hr questions what do we do now with inflations and we talked about uh, people leaving now it's the big uh, rehire exercise lots of good stuff from experts in this field so make sure to sign up if you haven't already yeah but we are super exciting to uh, continue this journey with uh, our community we are really happy that you tune into this show and today we want to talk more about professional services how it can help you grow as a company in many different ways and we have um, Really nice guy that we're going to talk to, uh, and uh, we're going to be a little bit technical, but uh, don't let it scare you. It's going to be fun. Today, we are very happy to have Jonas Todal, the CEO and co-founder at Weld here as a guest in the SAS Nordic podcast. So welcome, Jonas. Thank you for having me. It's great having you here, Jonas. And for the ones that don't know you yet, can you tell us a little bit who is Jonas? Yes, of course. So... As Thomas said, I'm Jonas Tordal, co-founder and CEO at, uh, at Weld. Before starting Weld, I was uh, leading the business analytics and revenue operations team in Pleu, uh, another uh, successful Danish uh, fintech startup. I have always been passionate about data and now I'm just super excited to be building a product in a space I love. Gotcha, gotcha. So Player has been great in spitting out future entrepreneurs and you just want one example of those and you just took some of your responsibilities there and went off and created a business for it. But like in more detail, what does Weld actually do? 
Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. Um, we started Weld early last year with a vision to help companies succeed with data. Our vision was very much inspired by our past experiences in, in setting up data infrastructure and all the struggles we had uh, in the past doing this. Um, and so we, we believe that way too few companies are really data-driven. Um, and we want to pack away the complexity of setting up and running data infrastructure so companies can focus on business value. So in short, Weld is an end-to-end -end data platform that allows you to connect all your tools to a data warehouse in order for you to first gather, then clean, model, and in the end activate your data back into your tools. Essentially one tool instead of 10 for all your data operations. All right. So this will be one of the more technical episodes that we have had, I think. So just to understand what kind of solution you have. I mean, there is a lot of different solutions out there. There is master data management solution, MDMs. There are middleware. There are maybe ETL platforms and so on. So how are you positioned around all of this? Why are not an MDM, for instance? Yeah, so I think that, again, well, to some extent, in our opinion, at least, is not a tool that's out there already. And I think the space of, of having this like bundled approach to, uh, to, to data infrastructure is, uh, is, is quite new. So I think that the main thing for us, uh, based on our uh, previous experience, is that we, we found it to be extremely complex to having to work in, in many different tools. And we felt that all those tools are, very, are often not very well integrated with each other. So basically, you know, we want to have all the features that you need in your data operations in one tool. So that, that does include like master data management, ETL, reverse ETL, um, like data catalog um, and, and all those things. There are a few things that we are not building currently in, 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 our, in our platform. One of them is the data warehouse itself. So you, you, it's running on top of your own data warehouse, whether that's Snowflake or Google BigQuery or, or, or a Microsoft uh, uh, SQL uh, server, as an example. And we also do not build the visualization part, the, the BI. So it's more of massaging and, and sort of getting the data ready to, to use somewhere else, visualize it or continue analyze it uh, and so on. There's the T, Thomas, in the ELT or ETL. The transformer part. Mm. But uh, who is your ideal customer when it comes, you know, customer size or, or vertical or uh, complexity? What, who are you for? We are for slightly larger businesses, but still within the SMB segment. So our customers tend to have a, a certain size simply because if you know, if, if you don't have any like departments and you don't have any like uh, a lot of customers, you know, the complexity is, is maybe very, very low and you can sort of get along with, with using spreadsheets and, uh, and, and, and maybe just a few tools, right? But as soon as you start, you know, building out teams, you start having, um, you know, a bunch of customers that you, where, where you need to uh, work with, with customer data. Um, that's usually where we advise companies to start thinking about adopting both a data warehouse, investing in a BI tool and having like a, a data platform as well. Um, it sort of depends a little bit, but I, I think that 
at least being like 50 employees uh, is, 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 is a good benchmark for, for us. And, and maybe having 50 to 100 customers is, is sort of the, the minimum. And then our customers are, um, comes in all like sizes and, and, and shapes. So is there a particular vertical where this is more relevant, like tech companies or any other type of businesses that you go after? I think that um, since we are we are still very early on on our own journey and also with um, with our product development, um, the companies need to be um, running their tech stack in the cloud. So they need to be either like born in the cloud or have, maybe they have migrated to the cloud, and that's usually more so you know younger companies and and startups. Um, that being said, uh, we are also looking at the more traditional companies and those companies who have infrastructure on, on premise, um, simply because they are also going to embark on, on, uh, on a cloud journey at, at some point. Uh, but that also requires our product to be a little bit more mature than, than it is right now. Yeah. All right, great. Let's put things in perspective. Can you walk us through some of the key numbers? Like what's your ARR? How quickly do you guys grow? Tell us a little bit about the customer penetration and so on. Yeah, sure. So uh, we have north of uh, 50 customers currently on our platform. Those customers are spread all over the world, but mostly centered around uh, the Nordics. Our average deal size is around 2,000 euros a month in, in MRR. And then we have our professional services component on, uh, on top. Uh, we are growing steadily 10 to 15% month on month currently. Wow. And we, we expect that trend to, um, to continue. Okay. That is really fast growing, impressive. So, uh, tell us a little bit about how you're funding this exercise. I know you, you recently went through a round. How does that work? Yeah, so we have only raised uh, one uh, seed round so far, uh, 4 million euros uh, last year. Um, and then, as, as mentioned, we are also uh, financing our growth with, uh, with our professional services. Right, we like that. That's smart. Then how does the ownership structure look like? How, how much do you have, the, the, the founders and so on, versus the, the, the investors, so to say? So we are we are four uh, uh, partners in, uh, in in the company, and um, and we own the, the majority. Where uh, yeah, you know, a seed round is usually between ten to twenty five percent. So so you can do uh, the math. Yeah, it's a it's a nice place to be in. Yeah, for sure. And how many employees are you for the moment? We are uh, thirty five employees. A decent amount of employees uh, for such a young company. For sure. For sure. <laughs> Today, we would like to focus on professional services because I know it's a very important part of your business, but also to set that in perspective and discuss a little bit about, you know, uh, PLG strategies and so on, what works and what doesn't work for a company like yours. And um, I mean, everyone is talking about PLG, the product should sell itself, uh, self onboarding is a big thing uh, and so on, but you have a rather heavy touch on the customer journey. So why do you have that? So in, in the beginning, when uh, starting Weld, we actually talked about uh, bootstrapping the, the company. Uh, and uh, we, therefore, we, we, we sort of planned on doing some sort of professional services in any case early on, simply to uh, finance uh, the, the company. Okay. So I think that that was where the first, first thoughts sort of emerged. 
But then I also think we realized quite early on that um, the product vision that we had uh, was was very big and complex uh, simply because data infrastructure is, is not something you, you just like, we didn't imagine that that's something you can just, you know, sign up to and then implement in, in an instant. So the need for having some sort of professional services sort of emerged like almost also from 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 day one. So, um, so so that was really where where it started. Yeah, but you can go into your website and create an account and so on. I've done it myself, but then it wanted me to connect to Snowflake, and well, I didn't have a Snowflake <laughs> instance, so I, I didn't come any anyone further. But how much are you expected to be able to do yourself when you just sign up for an account today? Yeah, so the way we see our um, self-serve uh, sign-up flow is, is more uh, like a, a lead generator, you could say, right? So, so, so we will actively reach out to, uh, to all companies signing up directly on our website uh, and, and have that high-touch approach still. And to some extent, it's also um, still a, a sort of a, an experiment for us uh, in terms of you know, maybe we'll have more high touch for, for the larger customers and then for some of the, the smaller customers where the unit uh, economics doesn't really make sense to in terms of having a very high touch approach, uh, we would experiment a little bit with, with having some sort of, of, of self-serve flow also because the complexity is probably a little bit uh, more limited for the, for the smaller uh, accounts. Right. So how, how does it work then when when I've logged in or, or got access to the platform, do you contact everyone by default? Yeah, and, and are you contacted by a sales guy like Daniel or are you talking about <laughs> one from the technical services? <laughs> exactly. So is it everybody by default and who is then being contacted? Or do you look at my behavior and then put on an expert? Uh, we Usually we, we will contact everyone in order for us to understand who, who they are. Right. But of course, if if we can if if we can already see what you know what type of uh, of company and we have a lot of metadata um, and maybe if you are not really using the product, you know, then maybe it will not be the highest priority. But if if you are running the whole sign up flow, setting up a data warehouse, which you can also do automatically in uh, in the Weld app hosted on on our account. Um, and you start syncing data, well, that's a, that's a big, you know, tell for us that you are actually using the product, right? And is it, is it a salesperson or is it a professional service expert that makes that first outreach? It's uh, actually a salesperson first, but there's, we, we, we always run it a little bit in parts. So you would have the, the account executive um, um, and the, uh, the solutions engineer uh, working together on uh, on closing um, customers. Okay, so it sounds like the solution engineers are actually involved almost from the get-go in the customer journey here. Exactly. Yeah. But are they the same person, the solutions engineer that supports the sales cycle? Are they also the ones that are helping to implement and guide you through the whole journey afterwards? Um, for in some cases it can be, but usually we actually try to split it up. So we have what we coin as a sales engineer, which is um, an individual that is 
um, not as technical as a solutions engineer or, or consultant, and also possesses some kind, some sort of sales skills, but are way more technical than than the you know the the, the standard account executive. And then you would have the the account executive uh, as well, if that makes sense. So Jonas, maybe you guys are touching on uh, product-led sales. It's a new buzzword in the space. So not just product-led growth, but you actually have product-led with some sales flavors in it. Exactly right. Exactly right. Okay. All right. So uh, tell us a little bit more about your professional service arm. Like, how did you build it? What type of profiles are there and why? Yeah. So I I think that... um, one thing I would like to take a little bit of a step back in terms of, of speaking a little bit about, you know, the, the early days and, and what we did in, in, in the beginning, because one of the reasons why we also decided to build professional services was also simply because we wanted to get learnings very fast in, 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 a, in terms of our product vision and, um, and product roadmap. And so having uh, professional services actually allowed us to not only uh, monetize very early, but also actually implement the product in a very immature stage because you would make up for that immaturity um, with manual labor, uh, basically. And I think that has been very, very key to, to our growth and, uh, and where we are today, to be honest, because this has allowed us to, from day one, learn about the customer's pains, right? What are they willing to pay? How should, you know, which features are we, are they of the highest priority? As well as, you know, think about it that our consultants internally, they are actually the main user stakeholder of the product because they are working in the product every day. So we have the, the main user actually sitting right next to the product team, which is also really powerful in terms of getting fast iterations and, and uh, efficient product development. That's really interesting, if I understood it correctly. So does this mean because you had the professional service arm from the get-go, your time to market with, the, in your words, the, the new immature product was much shorter? If you wouldn't have that arm, you would have to build out the product much more and go to market later. Is that correct? That's correct, because... Uh, imagine that if um, the product needs to be at some level of maturity before you would allow customers to work directly in the product. Right. But if it's your own people working in the product, you can sort of, you know, get around that a little bit because they know some of the, you know, bugs and some of the, um, you know, errors and other things that can sort of be, um, a hindrance in the beginning in terms of, uh, of, of implementing the, the product, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think it's a really, really great point, you know, because time to market is so key and you get those learnings back much, much quicker instead of building something that might not be relevant. You get it firsthand from your own people here. Clever. Yeah. And, and I would also say that I also think it has a lot to do with our own personality that we, we never imagined us sitting in a basement for two years and building a product <laughs> that we then, you know, only to find out that this was actually not really what the customers wanted. So, mm-hmm. so I think in, in that sense, it, it has been, a, been great for us to build the product with the customers. And it has also been, I think you would be surprised, you know, what you can actually sell uh, early on in, in your journey. 
to, to customers as long as you are focusing on outcomes and value, right? Mm. Then as long as the customers get the value, then they can also, you know, live with the fact that the product is maybe not as mature as, as it, it would have otherwise needed to be. Yeah. And I mean, this is all good and we understand, you know, the benefits of doing this in an early stage, but how do you scale this when you want to, you know, level up um, the whole operation? That's also a good question. I, I think one of the, um, the key strategies for us in, in, in the beginning was also to, you know, it, 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 it took us maybe up, upwards of three months to in the beginning it could take us as long as three months to implement uh, the product whereas um, now it, it it can take us a few days so it has been a lot about or uh, you know automating the, the the process of of implementation but also optimizing all the workflows and all the operations within the within the product so um whoever uses the product can use it more efficiently and we will just continue continue to do that and our hopes and dreams are that you know we can automate most of the manual labor completely away okay yeah right so so that's that's one thing and then the other thing is also that we are also looking into potential partnerships and you know working with with other professional services companies to to implement our product uh, over time um, which is also, um, I think, a, a huge opportunity. Yeah, and I guess it's good to first, uh, when the product is not that mature, it's good to you know work closely yourself with it and figure out the the bugs and the processes. So until before you sort of build this big partner organization where you have to support them as well, right? Yeah, exactly. It's a little bit along the same lines as allowing customers into your product, right? That's allowing partners into your product would also require a certain level of, of, uh, of maturity. A good SaaS company can grow to $10 million in ARR and exit to an M&A consolidator. But a great, enduring SaaS company can grow to hundreds of millions of dollars of ARR and become really iconic. The difference between a good company and a great one is often in perfecting their go-to-market fit. But how do you do that? Access our new go-to-market fit toolkit at gtmf.ox.vc to find out the common denominators for perfecting your go-to-market fit and much more. So do you feel that has there been any disadvantages or shortcomings or, or so for you? I mean, it seems like it's uh, suited you pretty well, but is there anything that you would point out that as you might have wanted to do differently? Well, I would also maybe just add that it's it's far from everyone uh, who onboards to wealth that even needs professional services at this point. So there is a big bucket of uh, of customers that where we don't need to do uh, almost anything. It's very very light light touch because they have internal capabilities, mm. um, which is which is also important to note. And then. In terms of disadvantages, there are the obvious ones, right? That this is labor heavy. It's more labor heavy. And you also, uh, you know, speaking of, of, of the size of our company, and you also have, you always have the risk of, you know, people um, sitting on the bench and maybe not being utilized and, and all those things that, that comes along with building a professional services company. So, so this is a little bit harder to scale. Right. Um, another point is is um, 
maybe a little bit uh, loss of focus or you risk losing focus on your product, right? Because I, I, I think that a lot of um, companies who have tried this have probably seen that you can easily be tempted to only scale the consulting part because it, to some extent, can feel a little bit easier than actually building that maybe mythical product vision that you have. So you always need to stay focused on, on the product vision and remind yourself that you are, in fact, a product company where you have professional services to support implementation. And maybe you want to solve all the problems that arise, you know, instead of making that first lean, maybe less functional product that that, uh, that is easier to scale. Exactly right. So that's really interesting. And I want to come back to what you just said, uh, where you have the product versus the service arm. And in our space, you know, over the last few years, the, the, the capital market has um, looked with different eyes at organizations that have big service arms. So what is your experience here when you guys went out to raise capital? What was the reaction? How was the, the interaction with the capital market? I think that this is um, uh, something that, that sort of divides a little bit, uh, you could say. I think some uh, investors love it and uh, some investors hate it. So, so it's, it, it's kind of like depending on, on, on which in investor you are, you, are, you are speaking to. But I would also argue that many companies that claim to be product-led are really not that product-led in the end, that there's a lot of manual labor and high touch going on behind the scenes. I've seen that uh, many, many times. And, and so it's, it's maybe a little bit, you know, more, more blurry than, than, than people think. Right, right. So you didn't have to sit there and, and defend why you're going to have the service arm and how you're going to build it up. There's nobody that says like, okay, you and us, at some point, you're going to put a cap on it. <laughs> no, no, not uh, not really. I mean, this also allows us to grow really efficiently, right? If, 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 we, uh, if we really manage to, to build a, a healthy uh, services arm and, and most um, companies do have some, some uh, sort of, of, of services in, in, in their organization. So I think also just the fact that we are so early, right? And there's so many things we haven't figured out yet that it's not, it's not that you know, black and white right now in terms of, yes, we are building a big professional services arm, like it could be that we are actually, you know, not doing that, but we are doing partnerships instead, or we are figuring out a way to really automate and, and grow with efficiently with, with our product, right? So, so, so that's also, I think, a, a part where maybe in later stages, if, if this is really your, your vision and you're more mature and your go-to-market and your product vision, well, then, um, then it would maybe be a little bit of a different discussion. Maybe you would divide um, investors e even more. Okay. And, and just to recap a little bit of this, so what would be your advice for companies that would like to build out a service arm at their company? So I, I think it's important to, to start very early on um, building the, the muscle uh, and uh, and it's important to also realize that working with professional services also requires the people you have to have a, a very specific skill set. Uh, and, and here I'm talking a, a little bit more about like basic consulting and stakeholder management skills, where getting people that have tried to work as consultants before um, is, uh, is, is, is very, very important. So, so that's, that's kind of one of the advices. Another advice 
which we talked briefly about previously, is also to always remember to focus on on the product, right? And 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 remember to you know make make sure that you that you keep investing into your into your product vision and your product development. Because what I what I do see some companies do is is that they 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 lose they lose focus and then they they end up you know becoming a professional services company and not a product company. All right. That's that's good advice. So what what is the future hold for you guys? You've had a great journey so far. Like what can we expect from from Weld in the next 18 24 months? That's a that's a very good question. I I think that um one of the the main things uh, on our roadmap right now is uh, is building features that allow traditional and more enterprise companies to onboard to our product. So having, you know, uh, higher levels of security and on-premise deployment and uh, um, and, and high quality on, on our data replication and, 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 and these types of, of features is, is something we are, we are looking at simply because we can see that the more complexity we, we have with, um, our customers have, the more value we can, uh, we, we can drive. So, so I think that's something to look out for. And then we are also starting to, we are adding new features, uh, every month and, I think coming a bit back to the beginning, right, where we talked about, you know, having this all-in-one data platform, you know, we, we, we kind of own what you call the meta layer, like we know everything that's going on across your whole data stack, which means that we can give you a level of transparency into your data operations that no other tool can provide. So I'm super excited about showing these new features that at least I have not seen uh, anyone else um, provide so far. Right. I have to ask you, I think I heard you say that you're building out so it also would work on site, like on premise. Is, is, that, is that the customer forcing you guys because it's, it's sensitive data that's being managed here, certain verticals? Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's simply because a, a lot uh, of, and especially traditional and larger businesses will have some part of the infrastructure on, uh, on premise. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and therefore we need to be able to, uh, to install, um, our application, um, on, on premise simply. Okay. Interesting. It's, it's also, um, I can add things like, you know, custom integrations. You also, you know, there's also always these tools, this one or two tools that where you don't have an integration, maybe it's a custom built internal tool. And, you know, so we, we need to make um, Weld uh, both extendable, but also customizable to the to the individual customer. And that's sort of the, 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 the next big step for us that now it's a fairly standard solution with standard integrations and it's 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 hosted in 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 the cloud mm-hmm. but in the future it will be a lot more customizable and and you can tailor it to the individual customer's need which is what larger businesses and more traditional businesses need okay so what are you looking for right now what are we looking for <laughs> yeah are you looking for certain people are you looking for partners or or yeah we we are always looking for for great talent of course as as any other any other business i i would assume um but but i think for uh, for now it's um, it's it's mostly the partnership um um the partnership part of of our strategy that's um that could be interesting for us to uh, to explore um and then i i think it it would be 
customers that are, you know, maybe a little bit outside of our ideal customer profile right now, where we can test and experiment uh, all our new features. Okay. Good stuff. Uh, this was this was great. It was uh, lovely having you on the show, Jonas. Thanks a lot. We've learned a lot about Weld. We, we've learned uh, some more stuff about professional services. Who would you like to see on the show next year to share his or her story? I think that would be um, maybe our very first uh, customer, Juni's uh, CEO, Samir. Mm-hmm. All right. Juni as in the fintech company. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. That's a good candidate. Yeah. So you have to make sure that he listens to the episode so he can hear the shout out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Otherwise, you, yeah, let me know. <laughs> Excellent. It was great having you here. Thank you so much. All the best of success with uh, World going forward. We'll make sure to, to keep an eye out for you guys. Thank you for having me. All right, Daniel. So what was your main takeaway from, from this episode? I think it's great to hear that uh, professional services or expert services, whatever you may call it, is a critical element for Veld and so many companies. You know, not every product is built for a plug and play exercise where professional services actually add value to the entire experience. So I think it is refreshing to hear that in this, the PLJ rage that we hear in our world. Uh, and I really enjoyed uh, hearing his thought process as to, from the beginning, they felt they wanted to bootstrap. So the service arm was a way to fund the exercise but also a way to get the product out to the market much faster, get those learnings with their own people in order to build a product that's better suitable for the market rather than just guessing, so to say. I thought that was a really clever way to use the professional service arm. What about you, Thomas? I know this is an area that you've been closely related to in your, in your previous jobs. Well, just to add to what you said, I think it's good, you know, to work yourself with implementing the product in the sense that you get more empathy for the customer uh, when you have your hands right into it. But I also think it was interesting to hear about how they work with um, this approach as as more of a product-led sales exercise that, that you can as a customer, you can go in, you can get started, you can even, you know, create your data warehouse and start connecting your services. But, but I mean, then they can move on identifying those potential customers, helping them sort of with uh, realizing what they can do with the solution and, and so on. And I think, I mean, I mean, if you can do that, even if you have a complex product like this, if you just can go in and let the, the, the prospect or potential customer go in and, and do some of these things, uh, I think uh, that's, uh, that's a great approach. Right, 100% agree, and this was this was great and such a great company. Again, coming out of Denmark, there's lots of good stuff happening in Denmark. Uh, speaking about lots of good stuff happening again, Thomas, I know there's some things happening on our end as well here in the coming month. Yeah, of course. I mean, the main event for us moving forward is the Celsius Digital 2022. It's going to be a full day of learning experiences on September 27th. So I hope to see you all there. It's actually free for all B2B SaaS companies. And so please tell everyone uh, and uh, sign up. Yeah, and we're going to talk more about some of these things, product-led sale, product-led growth, of course, but also building out the partner network and so on. So if, if this episode was interesting for you, make sure to tune in because there's going to be tracks specifically around some of these topics we touched upon today. Yeah, see you there.